Hello and welcome to another episode of Fintech Insider Interviews. I'm your host, Simon Taylor, and I'm joined today by ING CIO, Benoit Luan. Benoit, how are you, sir? Yeah, very good. Thanks. Thanks for being back with us. Of course, uh, we were talking just before we started recording that you're actually on one of the first ever episodes of Fintech Insider, like I think episode 10, 20, something like this, uh, 2016. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Absolutely. Been part of the growth of Fintech in many ways. Well, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's all happening. So, um, do you listen to podcasts much? Like, uh, do you have any favorites? FinTech Insider would be the right answer. No, <laughs> that's the no, right answer. Yeah, but also, yeah, you know, like, uh, who else is there? No, else? I think I'm, I'm. Frankly, I'm not spending too much time on listening to podcasts. Right? I've said really wrong answer. Right? Yeah. <laughs> no, I bet you're going to start a fair, a fair but wrong but fair answer. I appreciate the honesty, and there's a bit of um, there's definitely a bit of ING culture there, based in in sort absolutely. of that, that Dutch absolutely. directness yeah. and uh, and kind of uh, honesty. Uh, but we do have listeners around the world who may not have come across ING, perhaps because okay. um, they. they they, they've never seen the color orange before or, or a lion. Um, but uh, just remind everybody what does ING yes, do? Yes, I think ING is a European, mainly European bank having operations in many countries around the world. Uh, 38 million retail customers uh, over Europe uh, and, and in different uh, countries, right? So uh, 50,000 employees. Um, and what we like to say is one of the leaders in innovation and disrupting banking when we started. And I think maybe some of your, uh, of, of your listeners might know about ING Direct, which was uh, started about 20 years ago, and also with the same intention of disrupting mm-hmm. the world of banking, right? At a time where internet was not really a way to bank, right? I think we, we went into, uh, into the business, got about 24 million customers, 400 billion assets of, on balance sheet, right? By just looking at the world of banking through totally different glasses than, than what was traditionally the case at that stage. Before there were the mobile challenger banks, absolutely. there was the internet banks, and, and ING was absolutely from that kind of heritage. Uh, your LinkedIn bio has a, has a great statement on it. It says, um, unsuccessful startup experience. Um, yeah. w- tell me the story. Yeah, I think I left ING at one point. I started as a, 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 let's say, promising investment banker, and at one point in time, so life is is uh, built with meetings and i met a couple of uh, entrepreneurs who said they were starting a new business in the dot-com era so i said oh i don't want to miss anything i don't want to regret anything and so i spent time and say okay i'll be joining you we started a uh, uh, office supplies distribution chain right which was a bit different than banking yeah but also integrating all different channels multi-channel like we say omni-channel mm-hmm. as you would say today and uh, this is this is the reason i i left and why it failed because you know you always start and want to start those things not only to prove to yourself that you can do it but also because you want to make it successful and bring it whatever to the stock exchange and and, and all those uh, different possibilities and it didn't work out right so after two years we we split for many different reasons but you know this is what in that way that it's not let's say, uh, financially successful. Yeah. Yet, I think it's been an absolutely amazing in an experience, uh, experience of yeah, knowing what should be done, what should not so be done. So, so many entrepreneurs. So that's why I'm so happy, yeah, I think. And we, we miss this bit in our European cultures, where in the States, I think you certainly need to have it and those failures. But I think 
Oh, in Europe, I think it's, it's, it's not that well regarded. Yeah, it's interesting. If you uh, spend any time in Silicon Valley, there are almost, there's, there's a reverence for failure. There's a, there's a recognition that uh, that's where people do the most learning. So like the fail fast thing is like yeah. fail a lot yeah. because you'll learn faster. Yeah. And I think that's pretty interesting. Yeah. So in terms of like the learnings that you took from that, what would you say those lessons were? I think that there are many of them. And I think... Uh, we, we were a, uh, a mix of different entrepreneurs. And I think one of the lessons I learned, the, the guys had their successful company set up before and sold it. So I think they've been successful. And I think uh, you never, my, my lesson there is that you never take things for granted, even for people who have done things before, right? It's not because someone has done things before and has a certain experience mm -hmm. that you should, whatever, take for granted what he says. I think... Uh, the value is just of getting the team in the right place, having the right values, be able to tell things to each other and eventually respecting, res respecting all the different inputs which you have, right? So having the ambition to go high, uh, not to go high. <laughs> yeah, yeah, to get <laughs> you, high. Yeah, I see you smiling, so, but a bit differently, I think, uh, to, to fly high and have big ambitions, right? This is very important, but certainly leveraging on each other and the importance of the team, I think, is absolutely, for me, uh, well, uh, key. And right. I see this, you know, in, in what I'm doing now in innovation for the last four years. I think it's just precisely the same thing, right? It's if, all about people. If you talk to any early stage VC, they'll tell you it's all about team. Absolutely. Um, what has that team done before? Who, what's that team made of? Do you believe those people will get it done? Because there's pretty much nothing else you can go off. You don't know if there's product market fit. You don't know if they're going to get there. But do you believe in that team? And actually... That's a, it's a huge insight uh, because I, I think for so long people have often looked for roles um, and to fill somebody who does a role rather than have the right person that might not fit the role but is absolutely the right cultural fit and absolutely the right person that you want on your team. And it's interesting how often that gets missed in recruitment processes or something else. But in startup land, it's the only thing you can go on and, and weirdly it seems to be quite successful. So in the last interview we did, you talked about... Uh, ING being the 20-year-old fintech. Talk to me about what that looks like because ING is a 20-year-old fintech, but you were saying um, a moment ago, you know, uh, tens of millions of customers, uh, you know, kind of uh, however many countries around the world. It's hard to be nimble and agile and to really deliver like a fintech at that scale. I mean, do you still feel that that's very much the case, that you guys are a fintech? So I think it's, it's really hard to say ING is a fintech, right? 50,000 people, I think, would be lying if we say uh, that ING is... 100% a fintech, but I think what what uh, is certainly differentiating is the culture we have there and the way we are looking at things, how they are possible. Uh, we we have been uh, challengers, you know, and in, in different markets we are operating, we are challengers. And what it takes for you to be a challenger is that you can't take anything for granted, right? You're not there. Uh, you're just there to gain market share, right? You, you, you always have an opportunity ahead of you instead of seeing a threat. And this is precisely what we've, we've done you know, with, with PSD2. You know, I'll just take an example of it. But PSD2 has been looked at and still being looked at at many banks as a threat to their own businesses, right? We've seen this more as an opportunity. That's why we launched YOLT, you know, the, the, the money management platform which we have here in the UK. Uh, and now start in France and, and in and Italy as a way for us to build a stronger relationship with customers, starting 
with the need of the customer. What is the problem customers are facing, right? And, and it, it takes us back always to that. So as ING, you know, having this, this culture of disruption, the culture of being a challenger, seeing opportunities more than problems, helps us also in solving customer problems. What I think is interesting about Yolt is there are probably not many case studies you can really point at of a corporate having done a challenger brand and it having succeeded. But if I correct me if I'm wrong, but I think there's more than half a million users of Absolutely, Yolt in yeah. the UK, which is which would make it one if it was a bank or a fintech, it would you know it's more than Starling yeah. in terms of customers. Now, granted, it's not a current account; it's doing you know kind of information aggregation, but still. I can't point to any other big banks that have, certainly in the UK, that have done something that's got to that many users yeah. that quickly. Maybe now Marcus would be, from, from Goldman, would be the other one. Um, but what does that start like inside ING? What, what, does, what does that conversation begin like? Yeah, it begins again with an opportunity of saying, well, PSD2 is coming and say, what can we make out of it, right? Mm. What, what would this make sense? For? Again, looking at half full instead of half empty glass, right? And having the drive and the people also at the highest level of the organization. So it's, it eventually, it's all down to leadership, right? And we, we have a leadership which is looking at this and say, guys, we're gonna make something out of it. How do you reconcile having like the small team you need to start a challenger mm -hmm. brand like Yolt? You, know, you can count on one hand how many people are there on, on day zero and a 50,000 person yeah. organization because like innovation tends to be a lightning rod in most organizations somebody owns it and then everybody dislikes yeah, the person that yeah. owns it and yeah and i think there's a lot of i wouldn't say fights but i think there's a lot of work to be done there and you'll see that in many cases when the opportunity is still small uh, the problem you're facing as innovator is that you might not receive enough attention to it, right? The moment it starts growing and getting bigger, then you get too much attention because you want to be involved or people want to be involved and remember and say, oh, I think I was there also at that time when we had that great idea. Success which of many us, parents. Yeah, absolutely. So I think eventually, all in all, it requires a lot of protection mm -hmm. within the, uh, the environment of a bank or whatever because companies like ours, but any human body uh, has, have de has developed uh, uh, immune systems which are very effective against change. You know? We as human beings, we do not like change. We, we like stability. And when you have a company of 10 people, you know, 10 times more and 100 times more where you have 100 people. So this is where you need to have a team which is dedicated and making sure that those things are protected. But it's only possible if the highest leadership of that company is effectively, genuinely wanting to do this, right? I think it takes a lot of courage just to go into the unknown world, right? Because we are in a bank, but in a company in general, we paid to work in the known world of, mm. of the coming three months, right? And Here we're risk. making bets. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. We're making bets for the coming five years, right? I think it's a scary thing to do. And I love that insight about small team, small group of people, but needing the mandate from the very yes. top. And that's <clears> the only way you can ever really, yes. truly protect them. Yes, and, and this is trying to combine the best of both worlds, right? Say fintechs, you know, they, they have also those great ideas, but there's sometimes lack or branding or distribution or equity or many different things, <clears throat> or time or ability to attract talents. I think we're trying to combine this agility, which we have inside, but also with the ability of you know, being a strong bank and, and, and having a, a great brand.
What does attracting talent to something like a Yolt look like as well? Is that typically from the market? Is it internal? Is I think we both, it's a big mix. And I think we have, you know, the, the CEO of Yolt is, is someone who's been working with ING for years, right? So I think it's also not true. It's, it's a myth that, you know, bank employees are, you know, not entrepreneurs or only non-bank employees can uh, uh, get started moving. I think it's all down to the environment in which you put people, right? So if you enable them, if you empower them to effectively go things, if you trust them, if you start from trust rather than from distrust, I think you get things moving. I think that culture of trust is a really hard fought thing to be able to get somebody to feel. I think it's super important as well that there's trust about, you know, who is this team and is the culture there and is there alignment amongst them. Super interesting to me that I come across quite often people in the market looking for somebody who's worked at three or four fintechs before. But you look at those people that have worked at three or four fintechs before and at some point in their past, they hadn't worked at a fintech either. Like it, it didn't exist. And there is this, I think, um, unfair belief that somebody from a bank can never be truly innovative because they're, they're at a big bank. And I think changing that's really important. But I guess that's the inside out innovation, you know, sort of like it starts as an idea in the company and it goes out into the world. Have you got any examples where the outside has come in in terms of partnering with fintechs or yes. you've found somebody else? Can you give me one? Yes, I think we, we, we started this also some time ago and we have not so far, we have scouted 1,600 fintechs, right? And and having ended up or having currently 160 different partnerships with fintechs. Uh, but we wow. also, yeah, we also stopped about 60 partnerships, right? So, the, and, and partnership, there's a lot into a partnership, but uh, there are different ways of, of, of looking at it. The, the initial idea was, let's get the partnership in place because people only believe in what they do, what they see, what they touch, right? I think you can show them PowerPoint, say, guys, we should innovate. But let's I do think, a thing. I think just what's, going really back to what's in it for me, as a bank employee to say, okay, if I do it with this partner of this fintech, what does it bring me? And, and just test it. So we've been also very pragmatic. And that's why we ended up now today with 160 different places in the organization where people are testing things live and seeing the benefits or not. Yeah. And sometimes we just stop it. I think that thing about, like we said no to 60 and have stopped 60 is something that you never hear people saying. And also the scale of it, like you, you hear, uh, a large organization saying we did a partnership and they they sort of dine out on that for three to four years about that one partnership they did those three partnerships they did that time 160 is a completely different scale so is that a is that a true partnership in terms of you know it, it's something deep or is that more of a light touch thing where it's a you know a proof of concept or is this I, I think it's a mix between all is to be frank and honest on this i think that they are proof of concept they are long-term contracts they are mm -hmm. equity deals so we have also a a a, a venture activity you know mm -hmm. ventures which is now having invested about 180 million into into those different companies but if if i take you know one example of how maybe deeper it goes is with the partnership we have with with twisto mm -hmm. twisto is a czech consumer lending well pay later or pay today uh, by now, pay by later. now, pay, pay later uh, partnership, which we have now deployed effectively in uh, in Poland, and so we have this commercial partnership there, and the mm. operations are working there. But we also a shareholder of Twisto, right? So this is where let's we're we'll not say the extreme part, but I think this is this is the way where we where we go. So depending on how strategic it is, uh, we can go into very light 
into mm. well, not light. Now you've got a real mix. And, and how much of this is above the glass and below the glass? And what I mean by that is above the glass is something a customer would see and below the glass is something that's sort of hitting your technology or your processes. I think the majority is above. Mm-hmm. I think we, we really believe that the difference will be made by customer experience, right, in banking in the future. So if, of course, it can be a cost mm-hmm. reduction uh, partnership, yet eventually the battle will be won by by those customer experience, you know. Uh, yeah. I think it's a compelling mix. We talked a lot about the sort of the, the retail and the consumer facing. Are there any other segments? I mean, because ING is a, a broad church, you do lots of things in terms of businesses, CIB, wholesale. Are you seeing much movement in, in that space of the market? And, and what's exciting you in, in that world? I think it's, it, it's, of course, a bit different market, right? The, uh, the, uh, the wholesale banking market. Uh, and it started also a bit later though I see now a lot of changes are happening. And we see a lot coming up in trade finance. Mm-hmm. Uh, we see now a start in, in, in prop tech, mm-hmm. uh, which well, now we have started uh, our lab here in, the, uh, in, in London. Uh, we also see a lot in the underlying technologies, right? The DLTs of this world mm-hmm. um, and, and the AI of this world. But there, uh, I'm not sure that there will be disruption, right? But I'm not sure the full business models will be will be effectively disrupted. But the way we will be uh, working with customers, the way we'll be operating, will be fundamentally transformed. Uh, a bit less the business model itself. What I always found compelling about wholesale banking is one customer can make a business case in a way that one retail customer can't. And I guess when it comes to piloting something, getting one customer to adopt something, whilst a, a, for a corporate, depending Absolutely. on who they are, that might be complex, it might not be. But actually, you know, um, some of the, in the FX market, you know, the likes of 360T started with one customer. Absolutely. You find yourself this, in this interesting place where one corporate can become a really interesting beachhead. Do you think we'll see more of that? And, and is that sort of insight what led to the creation of, the, of your London lab? And maybe it's worth exploring that. Yes, I, th- I think you're, you're completely right in, in this. Uh, we have one case on invisible payments with the Dutch uh, public transport to, to yes, trains, right? You just can walk and with your phone and without any ticket or any, Which is really any cool. card, right? And I think, of course, the adoption by a customer like this one is just also providing a base which is big enough for 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 it to deploy. So I think we'll we'll certainly see more of that adoption is is the key right and and how do you get the wheel flying from entering a market or disrupting but you need to get enough people on board mm. to uh, f- for it to become a standard right in, yeah. in wholesale banking i think you i think an open dlt i think it's it's, it's going to be hard to find i think banks trust each other and i think we also maybe will be looking at more closed and uh, uh, environments. But I, I guess there's nothing wrong with that, right? I mean, you, no, you saw intranets long before you see internet, more than 10 years before, and the intranet business case paid for itself. So that's that's no bad thing. Um, you're launching a lab in London. Uh, talk to me about uh, why London, you know, why a lab, and what's the lab for? Like, because when people say <coughs> lab, yeah, it could, what is it? Mean what is it completely? It yeah, mean, yeah, it you could know, people be. It's with, not. Yeah, <laughs> Damn it, I was it really is not. It's yeah. not. Yeah, don't like dogs, but uh, yeah. <laughs> no. Um, uh, I think this this is one important part of our innovation machine, right? Uh, 
We go, as you mentioned, outside, partner with fintechs, we invest in fintechs, we deploy our own fintechs. And this is also the place where we're looking at adjacent and disruptive technologies and business models, mm -hmm. right? So we have three different places where we have our labs in Amsterdam, uh, in London and in Singapore. And while Amsterdam, I think mm -hmm. it's quite it's obvious, yeah. but also why London, I think it's as obvious as Amsterdam. I think uh, the UK has been for a long time and I think it's still going to remain one of the tech hubs and, and financial uh, hubs of this world, right? This is the place where the ecosystem has been made very uh, positive mm -hmm. towards innovation. I think you get the banks, so you get, well, customers, I'd say, you get technology and access to equity, and you get also a regulator who has been very much willing to help into disrupting it. So the environment, and I think figures speak for themselves, is well, London is, 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 is at the core of what has been done. And you, you sort of said the remain word, and, and uh, we've danced around the B word. So you, you would see that being true post-Brexit as well? Yes, I think it is. I think it will be. I think, uh, well, we, we don't know, of course, how it will come, whether Brexit will be or not, I don't know. But I think there is a resilience in this country and a willingness to get things done, you know, through. It, it, it will certainly not be the first time that times are hard. Yeah, but I, I think uh, the, the country has proven that it, it will just move on. This deal sets a that this economy okay, is. We need to get down yeah. to business. Yeah. 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 Clearly, the pressure is beginning. Business investment, jobs, The more you hear about Brexit, the less clear it all becomes. When everyone else is shouting, listen. For the clarity behind the headlines, subscribe to the Financial Times. Visit ft.com. Today, customers are demanding greater value from financial services. They expect more agility, innovation and security than ever before. Most financial institutions are held back by the shackles of closed legacy systems that limit transparency, block innovation and ignore customers' demands. Finastra has a bold vision to unlock the potential of people and business. They've created a platform for open innovation in the world of financial services with FusionFabric.cloud. Their solutions span retail, transaction lending, and treasury and capital markets on-premise and in the cloud. Start your transformation journey today with Finastra. Talk to me about what a lab does, because again, yeah. I, I, so, I, th I think the labs for different banks mean different things, right? Sometimes it's just people with uh, post-its, no. or it's where people have their designers, or you know, it's where people are allowed to wear jeans, but it, What's the real, like, hard-nosed commercial, like, what's the business case for that? What are, what are they exactly okay. looking for from that lab? So in, in our labs, in general, we have 34 different initiatives, right? The aim of the lab for us is to come out with MVPs, which are accepted by customers mm -hmm. and ready to scale, right? So we are working on concrete initiatives, uh, like the one I was uh, mentioning about invisible payments, uh, we have another one about uh, uh, well KYC, not to name it. I think we, we have very concrete initiatives where teams of three, four, five, six, seven uh, people working sometimes with external fintechs or with external advisor or internally, so mm -hmm. in a very pragmatic way, are working 
and, and using well the methodology which we have deployed, which we call PACE, which is a mix of lean startup, design thinking, and agile, to ask customers at different stages whether they have a problem they like us to solve. And we try to fail fast. So it's an environment where well, which aim is not to think, to well, to discuss, to but eventually to yeah. deliver, to deliver a solution which customer can use. I, and I think what's been the experience of that? Because I'm interested in. I love anything that's obsessed about customer problems. You know, the classic saying is, uh, "Fall in love with your customers' problems." What's been sort of the learnings you've taken out of the last couple of years, and and, and where do you see the labs <coughs> project evolving towards? Like, what what has it not achieved that you really want it to? I think, uh, again, it's, it's back to people. So attracting the right people uh, to do this is, 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 has been the challenge in the past. Right? I think we know now a bit better how to do it. So we're now going into attracting people from outside also who might not have been working in banking or who might have been working in banking but also attract internal mm-hmm. uh, internal people in so the it's best the talent mix. piece again. Yes, the talent piece, but also switching. We've had initiatives where the guy who's been leading it until market fit has been the right guy, mm-hmm. but no longer the right guy to move it there. So I think we need also there to act with, with agility mm-hmm. and fast just to be able to adapt the teams, right? So the, the, those are, I think, the main learnings. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we might also... Uh, not have stopped fast enough mm-hmm. initiatives where we say, yeah, this might go somewhere, but we're not sure, right? Yeah. So we say, well, let's give it a try. And again, I think we might have been also a bit stricter mm-hmm. in, in stopping earlier. So we've been learning a lot, I think. We've been learning a lot, and, and I think we'll never finish, right? So uh, I think you never do. And I think that never finishing learning thing is, is true for a business as it is for a person. We always like to finish uh, an interview with somebody who's uh, made it uh, successful in their life, even, uh, and I think more so when they're able to uh, sort of wear failure with, with pride and with, with transparency. So what have been the biggest lessons in, in your career and what advice would you give to somebody who's early in their career in terms of fintech? We have a lot of listeners who you know, are trying to um, get that job in fintech and they might not be, you know, they might be in a bank or they're just generally they're finding their way through the banking world. What, what advice would you give them? Oh, that's very difficult question of giving advice, but I say what, what I would do is certainly uh, never take things for granted. Ask the question when people tell you it will never work, it has never worked before, or uh, people say that it doesn't work, or just ask, how do you know? You know there's, if there is one question, there's just also challenge people who are challenging you, so how do you know? And keep on thinking that disruption takes time, okay? Mm. So there is no, I think you need perseverance, you need courage, you need to go against the tide. Uh, you get, you need a lot of humility, mm-hmm. uh, even when you have a great idea. I think just having an idea doesn't bring you nowhere, right? I 1%. think you need to get the ball rolling. And, and, and I think the most successful people usually uh, being less in, interested in, in the percentage of shares they have in their, in their company, in the amount of equity they are raising, but just fully, madly passionate about a vision a challenge uh, which they want to bring to life, right? It, it's a battle 
uh, well, or not, not the battle, but I think it, it's a challenge with the guys have set to themselves uh, a statement for society, for life, for change. And I think this is, if you do not have this, if you do not in yourself passionately believe in it, I think you'll you'll be stuck at one point of time. I think that once one percent inspiration, ninety nine percent perspiration is very true, and having that north star is absolutely critical. Um, before we leave our listeners, where can people find out more about ING and the London Lab? Where they can find ING more on ING than the Lab, I think uh, certainly on the ING.com site. I think on the yeah. Brilliant. Thank you so much for being on Fintech Insider. Okay. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure being no with you. Reason.